0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Jesus' right. dreams. Happy Holidays to everybody out there and, and listen to the program When you're out there, please do not drink and drive And just be careful when you're going out to Russia I'd like to welcome our legends first uh, um, From Philadelphia area, Mr. Don Henderson Mr. Roger Hendler from Philadelphia area Mr. Roy Cummings I believe, Don, do we have another guest on the hotline right now? I believe we do
2: No, he's coming on uh, at uh, quarter of nine
1: Oh, okay, it's quarter nine. Okay, like, what, well, gentlemen? Tale of Two Cities. What can you use as this tale of toast in your coffee? All uh, right. And the Eagles are okay, a Okay, Tommy,
3: of... let me make one, one, one amendment to your introduction, Tommy. Uh, Roger is now back as an official resident of Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> hey. Welcome back. Welcome hey, back I'm to the Southeast. We're closer to
4: Tampa, to you guys. Yes, there you, you are. are. I Welcome may be able to, to make it, it to friend. the Outback Bowl. How about that? We'll all be together. <laughs> It'll nice.
5: be a great well, New Year's Day uh, event. We if got light coming we'll on, go.
3: so all we can do is hope they have a game.
0: That's <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> we will we'll we'll well.
2: find out at uh, at seven fifty-five.
1: There we go. Let's let hope so, guys. But oh, tell two cities, the Buccaneers are like toast being burnt <laughs> every mm-hmm. breakfast. And the Eagles, Frank and I, as are discussing this app and Don before the program started, the reason why the Eagles aren't winning is offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, Frank Wright. Look what he did. He was the coach of the Eagles, and they won the Super Bowl. Right now, Doug Peterson, Jim Swartz have no clue about trying to get this football team to win.
4: Well, you know, there's well, a lot I... of speculation, uh, Tommy, that uh... – Uh, Doug Peterson is uh, coaching to lose, I mean, to get fired. And, uh, you know, the other thing is uh, I saw today that at uh, a press conference they brought up about does he really have the uh, influence uh, on uh, who's playing, who isn't playing, because he did not want that Hurts kid drafted, okay, at, at that point second round. And of course that was forced on him. And there's a lot of things that I think now that have been forced on Doug Peterson and now are surfacing. And uh, I think only time will tell, Uh, you know, at the end of the season uh, the, I saw today, you probably maybe heard or saw the same thing. uh, John Dorsey, that was the uh, general manager at Kansas city, and then Andy uh, let him go, and, uh, but I forget where he is now. He's already announced that if he gets a general manager's job, Eric Biennemi is going to be the head coach, the offensive coordinator for the, uh, for the Chiefs.
0: So uh, no, One of the things, things I, didn't
4: really, I didn't really realize, Roger,
3: and, and to listening today and talking to, to some folks today, including Billy, uh, you know, really, they, they haven't had a Pro Bowl selection since in, in, in almost nine years. Right, Wentz was the only one that went to the Pro Bowl. And yeah. uh, right now, when you, when you look at their president and general manager, uh, his selections, Now, of course it really looked bad it's easy to do that. When you have somebody like Metcalf who was drafted after all the wide receivers that he picked, and the guy comes in and, and you know, runs up about, what, uh, 170 yards on you. Why, uh, you know, it's easy to, to look bad but they've got five wide receivers, you know, that have no catches. Only one guy's got 200 yards. That's it.
4: Yeah. Yeah, It's been, it, it, and it's getting worse. I mean, they're deteriorating instead of getting better. But I heard uh, Charlie Weiss on uh, Sirius NFL, uh, XM NFL Radio say that uh, Carson Wentz, and he likes Carson Wentz, he said he's just a beaten man. And and you know the offensive line. I mean everything. The play calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that really got everybody was the other night. Uh, they got they got uh, what was it? First and five yards to go. Three passing plays. Why mm-hmm. would you ever do foot three passing plays when you only have to make up five yards because of the penalty? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's just like you have to question uh, Doug Peterson. And the, and the other thing is I can remember uh, with the Cowboys, remember when uh, Jason Garrett was calling the plays and then uh, he got relieved and he uh, uh, gave it to the offensive coordinator. I can remember one time in a conference call, I asked him about that, you know, when they had the Wednesday conference call and he mm-hmm. said, no, I like to call the plays. Well, they've asked Andy or uh, Doug, the same thing. I like to call the plays. Well, you know, maybe you need to give up your ego, okay?
3: Right. Well, we'll have time to come back. We got a specialist from from Tampa, so let's get Roy in here because the Eagles have problems. But I want to tell you something after the game the other night and uh, some of the things that happened in that game. Roy, I know you were there. Uh, it was really a disaster for the Buccaneers.
5: Yeah, and you know, Tommy. Uh, Maybe inadvertently, I don't know that he that he meant to do it this way. But uh, when he said, you know, when he kind of said uh, "tale of two cities," you know, quoting Dickens, "best of times, worst of times." Well, in a way, he's he's actually right on the mark because in Tampa, it's it's the best of the, any any talent you could possibly have. You're just overloaded right. with talent.
0: Mm-hmm. I think right. the
5: problem in Philadelphia, guys, is that there is a dearth of talent. It's the worst of times in terms of talent. And I'm not talking about Carson Wentz. I'm talking about the players around him. Uh, the offensive line is a mess. Um, right. They really can't run the ball. He's got one wide receiver, I think, and that's really about it. Um, you're right, Don. He's got guys that they think they don't even want to try to use for some reason. Uh, I don't know if they don't White, practice Whitehead, well. They
3: don't, and, he, they, he wasn't hurt or bad. The two games ago, he was benched. He did, you know, he was the top draft choice for one of them. And he never even got on the field.
5: Yeah, and and you have to wonder why. But I mean, because the talent on the field right now is horrible, and uh, and that's what's costing this. You know, the Eagles uh, with the Buccaneers, the talent is exceptional. You, you've got mm-hmm. so many. You, you, you've got a, a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver in uh, Mike Evans, uh, an All Pro really. Uh, you've got a virtually Hall of Fame caliber. He's not going to get there, but Antonio Brown, wide receiver. Uh, you've got all kinds. You know, you've know, got running back talent. You've got the greatest quarterback of all time, tight ends galore, and you can't seem to make it work. Uh, I don't think the unit is out of sync. Uh, I've been asked that question. I just think that uh, the game planning is, is not good. They won't lean on the run, which they should be doing in Tampa. <laughs> Uh, with a back like Ronald Jones, you got the fifth best running back uh, in the league in terms of yards. Obviously,
0: you mm-hmm. lean on
5: that guy, and I mean he might be third or fourth third in the league if if they use him a little bit more often. Um, mm-hmm. It's really amazing. Uh, they they do seem to be they seem to lack confidence in the running game. Uh, the offensive line is, is just not strong enough to protect Tom Brady on a regular basis, and we're seeing what Tom Brady looks like when he's consistently under pressure uh, and he, what he looks like is every other quarterback who's under pressure. He looks ordinary and, uh, and that's unfortunate. Tom Brady is still good enough to, to dice you up and, and slice you apart. Uh, he, he does it on occasion, but um, he doesn't do it enough because he's not given an opportunity enough. You know, they, you see some of these shallow crosses, things like that. That's the stuff they need to be working. Uh, they don't need to be forcing the deep ball. Uh, except to you know expand the, the defense a little bit, get a little more, more room underneath uh, against the zones, and uh, uh, for for the for the wide receivers to have a little bit more room. So you throw that more as a as a hey, you know we'll we'll, we'll still we'll still attempt this. We'll still uh, try to burn you with this, and we can do it. Um, but when you're trying to do that, uh, you know with four and a half minutes to play uh, on second and seven. Uh, you're just putting yourself in in danger, and that's what happened. This team is just um, it, it's it's really struggling from from a coaching perspective, in in my opinion. At this point, uh, I don't think Tom. coaches know quite what to do with all the talent they've got. Tommy,
1: yeah, I think you're right about that, Roy. Because
5: you know, watching the the Bucks game, you know,
1: they they look they look real good, but I mean, the defensive backfield, Roy. I mean, they couldn't. They, they can't do nothing out there. They can't tackle the number 10 for Kansas City, and he, and he did a back up in the end zone for God's sake. You don't do that on your home turf. You know, like these guys. visitors run over you. I mean, this way you've got to stick them up there. The front, defensive front played great, linebackers played better, but that defensive backfield boy they better stick quite wiser before they go to Minnesota. It's been a another long off, I hope not, but it might be.
5: Well, you make a good point, Tommy. Uh, you know, the Bucks were playing some press man. They've been playing a lot of zone lately, uh, kind of disguising things as man coverage and then falling into two deep zones and, and things like that. And, and, and that's good. Uh, they're doing that because they don't quite trust the cornerbacks. And, it's, and another example of how they don't trust the cornerbacks is when they play press man, they're not really mm-hmm. pressing. It's a very soft press. I mean, they're playing three, four yards off, and hmm. so that's not strong enough. You're right. You, you know, if you trusted these cornerbacks, you'd have them up mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, face mask to face mask, and, and you give them a good shove and uh, try to knock them on their behind uh, right yeah. off the line of scrimmage. And, uh, but they don't trust them to do it. So um, again, and to me that's coaching. You, you've got to, you've got to have a little huh. bit more faith in these guys. They, they have struggled of late, no doubt about that. Um, But I think, look, this is an attack-oriented defense. They have played their best when they have blitzed, played Mm -hmm. man-press outside on the corners, and uh, gotten safety help over the top, obviously. So, you know, it makes sense to do that and to to blitz a little bit more. But for some reason, they've lost confidence in the blitz. Uh, They're not doing it as much. And uh, when they do do it, it's not always as effective. So um, they've got a real problem here. I guess the good news is they got a couple games coming up. They should be able to win. But hey, Roger, uh, Atlanta's Atlanta's looming, and Atlanta all of a sudden looks pretty good. Not not great, but they look.
4: If they can beat the Raiders the way they did, they can beat anybody the way the way they did. Yeah, well, you're right. That was that was an interesting game to watch, uh, Roy. But I'll tell you, I don't know whether the uh, Raiders uh, showed up or not at that game. To be honest with you. Yeah, no, I hear you, and I, I don't
5: disagree.
3: But well, I do the other like thing, the uh, Roy, goes, that I, I'd i like to bring up, and you're you're in a better position, yeah, is that okay. uh, there was a very confusing explanation of what's happening uh, about who's – we're just talking about who's calling the plays. Do they have an offensive coordinator to the head coach? And, then, and the – as I understand it, and you're there, uh, you know, the coach is saying, no, I'm not calling the plays. That uh, you know Brady has the opportunity to do whatever he wants to do and make a, make his calls when he gets in there, and I only make a call every once in a while. Well, who's making the calls? Who who's just, who's directing what's going on?
5: Yeah, it's uh, it is a little confusing. Um, I, look, I think Tom Brady has carte blanche. I, I think he can do whatever he needs to do. I, I mean, they ran he ran a an old play right out of the New England playbook. Alert! Alert! And it was a shallow cross to, to uh, uh, Rob Gronkowski. He, and, right. and they just he went right back to an old play that, you know, has been tried and true. And, and he's used three extremely... Three uh, When well, they weren't making any catches, he went right back to that exact same play three times in a row. Right. Well, you know what? That's typical. I mean, quarterbacks, when, when they're not making... Look, when the ball goes through the hands of Mike Evans uh, and, and you feel like, you know, you, you can't make that throw. And when... Uh, if somebody else misses one and you feel like you can't make that throw, well, you're going to go to the guy you trust the most. There's no question that the player that uh, Tom Brady trusts the most and the reason he wanted him out there uh, is Rob Gronkowski. That's the reason he brought right. him in. This is the guy he trusts the most. Um, I, I think Mike Evans probably ranks second, maybe third on that list, maybe to Scotty <laughs> Miller. Uh, but Antonio Brown's in that, in that group too. So right now there are two guys that he really trusts. It's Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski, and, and those are the guys who are getting most of the targets now because you know, Mike Evans has failed him a few times. And quarterbacks, when they get failed by the receiver, when they put the ball right there and the receiver can't you know, bring the hands together to make the catch, they're not going to go back to you. And they're going to go to the guy. And, again, this, this is one of the benefits. Uh, maybe it's a curse in a way, but this is really one of the benefits the Bucs have of having so much talent. Tom Brady's got a bunch of guys that he, that he can trust. Unfortunately, right now he's only got about two or three that he does trust. So that that hurts too overall because you're not going to distribute the ball as much as you normally would. And that was one of the things that was happening early on when they were winning consistently. They were distributing the ball. They were, you know, it was going to nine and ten different guys over the course of a of a game. And people were wondering, well, when's Mike Evans going to get, you know, more tar- targets? When's uh, Gronkowski going to get more targets? Well. Uh, <laughs> All it takes is a couple of guys to uh, to kind of blow their opportunity with Brady, and uh, those guys get their chances. And right now, it's Gronkowski and uh, Antonio Brown.
4: Roger, well, I I see Tom uh, looking at the uh, the wrist uh, chart, you know, that the uh, quarterbacks have, and also I'm I'm looking at him over at uh, looking over at the sideline, you know, uh, re- turning his hand or his finger. In other words, you know, tell me what what you, which one you want to go with. And so, you know, it may be that Bruce
0: says that, but
4: I wonder uh, how much Tom really does have control. I mean, I agree with you, Roy. He has carte blanche, but I'm wondering initially uh, if a play is called more and then it's up to Tom whether he wants to use it or not.
5: Yeah, I think that's the case, Roger. I think you might hit on it. Um, uh, that that may be the way they're going about it. Uh, look, the game plan is put together. Bruce Arians has given uh, total control uh, of the game plan, of uh, the play calling on, on Sunday uh, to Byron Leftwich. But if Tom, you know, and it should be this way, especially with a veteran quarterback. You're the guy out there seeing the seeing the defense. Nobody's going to throw anything at Tom Brady that he hadn't seen before. If they're, you know, if they're locked into a play out of, off the sideline, but he sees something different and the personnel is there, He knows that he's got to go to a different play, and he's been doing it. And, again, I'm not sure that the plays are necessarily the problem, uh, except for the fact that they don't run it enough. Um, A lot of times it's just execution, you know, and and they're missing on plays that they should be hitting. Again, it's Mike Evans not putting his hands together on a perfectly thrown deep ball. But then, you know, three plays later, it's a horribly thrown deep ball, and and nobody's got a shot in. It's uh, it's really uh, a bit confounding
0: because they're having
5: problems uh, all across the board. And again, when when you don't have the time to sit back and and really scan things, uh, like like Tom Brady is used to, you're going to struggle, and he has struggled with uh, because of, of lack of time. And Roy, the other thing I'd like you to
3: talk about is that uh, Antonio Brown was somebody that Tom Brady really wanted. Now, in my view, now I haven't seen every play of every game since he got there that he became eligible to play. But one of the real receivers, which really matched the receivers that he had up in, in New England, your buddy, I say your buddy, the guy that you really talked about so much, that made so many great catches in the exhibition at the beginning of the season, he disappeared. He's gone. <laughs>
5: Yeah, you are talking about Scotty Miller and uh he's yes. not my buddy. Yeah. I'll tell you who his buddy he was. He was Tom Brady's buddy. He he was the arguably, you know, next to Brady and and, and obviously a couple of defenders were the most valuable players on the team when they were What winning. happened to him? What happened to him? I don't
3: see him anymore.
5: You don't see him anymore because Antonio Brown's going to trump him every time. Uh, you that's what you're going to do. You're going to go with the with the guy who's got the track record. And uh, and his track record trumps Scotty Miller's. But, boy, oh, boy, you know, boy, hey, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we see Scotty Miller back uh, in a prominent role this week because what they're doing right now isn't working. So you might want to go back to what was working, and that was Scotty Miller. The guy can play. That's right. He's proven that.
3: exactly. Tommy, go back you to know,
5: plan A, right?
3: <laughs> right, plan A. When something's working, you don't run away from
5: it. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, they did. And, and, look, they've gotten Gronkowski involved more, which is good, because he's proven – and I'm surprised by this. I, I was one of those – I was a skeptic. I didn't think that uh, – I, heck, I didn't think he'd be around in November, much less uh, December. Uh, but he's proven that he's getting better as time goes on this year. So, he's, he, I think he's back from uh, – he, he's regained his uh, his fitness level, and uh, he's playing at a, at a high level uh, right now, both as a blocker and a pass catcher. But, um, you know, uh, what I think has to happen, guys, is uh, uh, one of the other thing that they, the Bucks were doing early on uh, when they were using other tight ends um, is they were using Scotty Miller in kind of that role that you usually see that the slot receiver that Tom Brady uses so much or used so much in England, uh, New England. And, uh, right. you know, if you go back to that, I, again, those are shorter passes, intermediate throws, throws that he can make, absolutely make. And, look, he's, he's having to make some passes – He's, making, he's, making, he's being forced to make way too many passes with defenders in his face and, and against pressure. And, again, he, still, he can still do it because he did it two or three times, on you know, this past weekend and, and, and was, you know, just dialed in. But at the end of the day, you can't ask a guy to do that, you know, game all game long. Uh, if you've got to throw Roy. 15 like that, the, the odds Roy. are against –
3: Roy, he's got to be the best route runner they have. I mean, he, he goes down, coming out of the slot, whether, and he makes adjustments as he comes down the first five yards. And, he, you know, he, he was outstanding for the first four or five games. And sure. uh, he was, you know, he, not only that, but he would make the difficult catch. That's why I can't understand where he's going.
0: Yeah,
5: well, yeah, I, I agree. And, and I, you, you have to wonder how much, uh, you know, this is Tom Brady's call in, in that regard. Because let's let's face it, Tom Brady's the reason AB is there, and right. uh, if Antonio Brown is the guy that he w- would rather have on the field, well, that's the guy he's going to get. And uh, you know, when you pay the money to, to bring him in, and it wasn't a lot, but again, just the track record that you know the back of the football card, is t- as John Gruden used to say, uh, you compare it to J- to Scotty Miller's, and it's like there's no question who you're going put, to put out there on the field. And these are desperate times. It's it, look, it's November December football, guys. This is when Uh, experimentation is over and you start going with the guys that you know can win for you um, or think can win for, you know, think give you the best chance to win. And uh, right now, uh, again, as I said, it's, it's Gronkowski, which is okay. It's Antonio Brown, which is okay. But uh, some other guys are letting this team down a little bit and that's got to stop.
0: Roger. Is it true
2: that uh, Brady's going to open up a bakery
0: (laughs) and he's going to
2: call it Brady's turnovers? (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, oh, uh, uh,
5: uh, no choice. to that room in the house
3: always a comedian <laughs> indeed yeah, uh, it's right, a good right. one Frank
5: but you know, here's the thing guys you know wh- I'm not surprised I'm not surprised that Tom Brady is struggling with, with turnovers I'm a little surprised at the way they've come about because he's been so off the mark with the deep ball and that's probably accounted for at least a third of them uh, if not half but I'm not surprised by that because, again, square peg, round hole. I'm not saying Tom right. Brady can't throw the deep ball. He's got the arm, and, he, and when he's got the time, he'll get it to you as he proved with you know, the throw to Mike Evans last week that didn't get caught. But the other problem is this, this offense is asking you constantly to throw that deep ball. It's not as much of a, of a precision offense as Tom Brady was in in New England. It's more of a deep throw, take your chances type thing. And when you, when you throw it that deep, the further you throw it, the less likely you are to complete And that's exactly what's happened here. He has gotten into a scheme that doesn't necessarily play to his strength. Uh, he's still good enough to do it, but it doesn't necessarily play to his strength. And uh, that's why he's throwing those, uh, th- throwing those picks. Uh, again, if they ran the ball a little bit more, a little more play action, at least you'd freeze a linebacker at some point. Maybe you might get a safety to bite. Uh but right now, he's throwing in, the, you know, two, double and triple team team coverages down there. And and it's just, again, and that that, that play calling is not helping him.
3: Roger, get a last well, question he, in because Mike yeah, Schulte is yeah. ready to go. We'll find out about the uh, Outback Bowl, how it's going to turn out this year, and when is, if it's going to turn out. But I'll let you wrap it up, Roger. What's your last question well, you for know, Roy?
4: Okay, Roy, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to uh, Charlie Weiss last couple of days. And uh, and he was talking about uh, you know uh, working with Brady obviously all those years uh, with New England and uh, and he was basically saying the same thing I mean you know like you said you're trying to put a uh, uh, a ring in a square and it doesn't work and uh, because that's not the system that he was successful with and the uh, but I, I just I think that you know then you look at the Chiefs. And you you, and Charlie said that uh, the uh, the best uh, play caller on offense in the national football league is Andy, um, Andy Reed. And isn't that amazing after a lot of times the the criticism he would take with the Eagles, but when you have the talent that he has, you can do a lot of things. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it really does. It comes down to talent.
5: Um, Look, play calling is not uh it's not science it's not uh it's not it's nothing special you you lean on uh, on your best players uh at critical times you 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 spread the ball around uh you try to get a balanced attack uh you follow the basics um but when it comes to crunch time and you know you got to have a play uh you're right Andy Reid knows what to do I mean you saw it you, you saw it last week late in the game when. You know, he basically runs kind of a, a run option, uh, run pass option play with uh, with Mahomes, and, and the and the run is there because the Bucks are looking for the pass. You know, if you don't call that play, you know who knows what happens. Maybe he completes it for seven yards and gets the first down anyway, or you know maybe maybe they run the ball for three and, and take some more time off the clock. But when you, you know you call a nice run pass option, which nobody's really expecting, well, you, you've just beaten the other team with uh, with smarts. and and, and look. You expect a guy who's been around as long as Andy Reid and who's as smart as Andy Reid, despite what uh, people in Philadelphia seem to think or certainly thought a few years back when they decided to let him go, which was a mistake. Um, right. He's as good as there is. He's as good as there is. And, and, look, one thing hasn't changed over the past three, four five years. Andy Reid, uh, Bill Belichick uh, mm-hmm. are still uh, – they're the elite. You know, Pete Carroll, the, the guys who've been around and done it and done it uh, Mike Tomlin, these are the guys. These are the elite coaches. You know, you got teams, right? And, and 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 you know, Bruce Arians, I believe, is in that mix. But Bruce Arians is a little bit different. Bruce Arians is really about developing other young coaches, and he's not afraid to give the reins to, to those guys.
0: And right
5: now, I, I think it might be hurting him a little bit. The Bucks might be a little bit better off right now if Bruce Arians said, "Hey, guys, we got a chance. First of all, we got a real good chance of getting the playoffs." But in order to go somewhere in the playoffs, we've got to be a little bit smarter in how we're, we're running things on game day. And maybe I need to take over here. I think Todd Bowles is doing a pretty good job. Uh, he's a little, obviously a little bit nervous about his corners because he's trying to cover for him. Those kids are young and they're getting beat. Maybe they're dealing with some injuries. But on offense, where it's really where the struggles are, um, you know, again, I think smart, smarter play calling and better game planning uh, is what you need there. and that, that falls on the head
0: coach.
3: Roy, Absolutely. thank you very much as always, and uh, we look forward to next week. We'll have another game under our belt. A lot of other we didn't get a chance to talk about the Raven game today, but uh, <laughs> we'll go ahead with that a little later in the program. But thank you once again. Always a pleasure.
4: Thank you, but, Roy. As always, thank Roy, you Have a great Thanks week. For having me. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Have guys. a great week. Just want to you let guys. you guys know that uh, Lane Johnson is uh, on IR for, and gone for the rest of the season. So, obviously, that ankle surgery that he uh, we didn't know about that, uh, uh, you know, he had uh, in August, I think it was in August, uh, it took mm-hmm. its toll throughout the season. I just wanted to make, uh, before we get mic, uh I'm watching Gonzaga and West Virginia, and I've noticed that the officials are uh, using a different type of whistle. And it looks like it's got, uh, like, sides to it, like a, uh, sort of like an airplane. And I guess what that's to do is to block any uh, saliva that may come out that could spread the uh, virus, because I never saw anything like this before. Yeah. Okay, let's get to Mike. And, uh, he's been standing right here on the wings
3: for a couple of moments. And Mike Schulte, uh, the Outback Bowl was always a major concern for all of us, as well as college football, and a lot of college football to talk about as well. But how about if you update, uh, you're the man that directs the media and directs all our attention toward the Outback Bowl. Give us a little up. Well,
6: uh, uh, here we are in December. uh, Pretty crazy that we made it here with uh, college football this year. Um, You know, that was a a huge accomplishment that the season has made it this far. And um, I don't think a lot of people were sure, uh, you know, that that was going to happen getting back, you know, coming into September or, Certainly, back in August or July, uh, I think you know everybody was hoping for a season, and uh, obviously we've gotten you know, through a good a good chunk of it. Uh, with obviously, some some hiccups along the way and game cancellations, but the uh, season is coming into the final month now, and uh, I think it's a it's a big accom- accomplishment that uh, you know that folks at the universities have been able to, and and the NFL has been able to bring some form of normalcy uh back to uh to our lives and in the in the ability to at least watch uh football on T V if not in person. So so I think that's uh you know that's a, a big accomplishment that uh, a lot of folks didn't didn't know if they could get that far. How about your bowl? <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah, we're uh well, as of right now, we're we're working towards uh, uh, uh you know, plans to have the game on January 2nd this year. That's going to be uh, Saturday, uh, 1230 kickoff. Uh, We're going to be on ABC uh, TV and, um, you know, we're, we're pointing towards that, uh, that um, destination. Um, You know, obviously, you know, every week, you know, things change. And so we have to be flexible, um, you know, with, uh, with, um, uh, just really pretty much everything that we're working on, but, um, you know, we're, we're going to adjust as best we need to and right. and uh, be as flexible as we can and uh, yeah. sort of see see what happens over yeah. the next few weeks.
3: Well, Mike, the Big Ten's going to have to be very adjustable because right now <laughs> Ohio State may not be in a position to even qualify for the championship game because of the games they've lost. Uh, that would be a real blow to the Big Ten, I would think.
6: Yeah, I mean... You know that's that's really unfortunate. Of course, you know that a big part of that was the fact they started their season so late. I mean, you know the, the ACC, I think, was the first league to to kick off this year, um, and the SEC kicked off uh, a, a few weeks later, about four weeks later. But um, you know, but they had built in uh, not only some bye weeks, but you know, some time, some weeks where they could. Uh, move games uh, if, if games got canceled and so forth, and that's what they've been doing. So, um, you know, they haven't been nearly the, the issue that, um, that the Big Ten has. Um, you know, the, the Big Ten, you know, obviously starting as late as they did um, was, was not only difficult, but as we sit here today, and it's very unfortunate that the, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest numbers of cases right now, are are hitting in the midwest in, in large part i was assumed uh because of the cold weather and people having to you know be indoors now and so forth so so it's a combination of a couple things uh that are not uh, not boding well for uh you know for uh, some of those teams to get their games in but you know we'll, we'll have to see how it goes i i think there is uh, some kind of a an adjustment in regards to, I, I haven't personally heard of anything in regards to a, a particular mandate on the, uh, you know, getting in the college football playoff as far as number of games. I, I think the the issue that they're faced with is the possibility of not qualifying for the Big Ten championship game and thus being able to uh, be, you know, be considered for the playoff as a conference champion. Um, but I don't know. You know what that, how that will affect, especially under circumstances, how that will affect, um, you know, the CFB committee's uh, view of them. You know, if they're trying to put the four best teams together, you know, I don't, I, you know, yes, normally being a conference champion carries weight. You know, if that were to, to you know, take place, if they couldn't can't play in the championship game because of the lack of games. You know, I, I don't know if they're going to hold that against them or not. But obviously, you know, their goal is to try and pl- play as many games as they can to get get to the you know and win the conference championship first.
1: Romney. Well, that's, that's a great thing. Great thing, Mike. First off, Mike, greetings, greetings happy holidays to uh, to you. I'm calling from the state of Texas, and Texas A&M, and also University of Texas right now. But I just got a question, Mike. Do you think? um um, tickets will go on sale for the general public when you, when you announce when you announce the uh, teams like you, like all the other years.
6: I, I missed that one part about something about the general public.
1: Yeah, the general public. Where once you announce the teams, when the general public, um, Will the tickets go on sale for the general public, for the game,
6: will they react to me well?
1: I mean, will they for sale? They, the tickets for sale.
6: Yeah. So we're, so we're looking to, to probably do that uh, about the middle of the month. Um, Okay. uh, And, you know, um, you know, we, we of course are, you know, everybody, you know, the conferences and all and the bowls are looking at a, an announcement date for teams of uh, December 20th this year, which is right after the conference championship games are played in the final regular games, regular season games. So, so that's when, um, you know, the, net, the teams will be announced and we'll put, you know, we would put our tickets on sale uh, shortly before that. Um, you know, I think there will be, you know, a, a demand for, for people to buy tickets to, to a degree. Um, yes. You know, you know I, the, the, I think there's a big, obviously a pent up demand from people. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of uh, schools and even some conferences like the Big Ten who haven't allowed any fans at their games outside of, of family members from the players. And so a bowl game might be the only, the only chance that a, that a fan will have to see their team play in person. So it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see um, how that is, but obviously, you know, the safety considerations of, of people in and, and traveling and so forth is going to be uh, certainly a big factor. So you know we're in uncharted territory here you know we we will have a limited capacity uh at our, at our game and uh just like the Bucks have and so forth and and so we'll have to see how how the demand goes in that regard but you know if we do you know we have the game and teams you know i think will 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 travel with some fans and and bring some fans to to the area and so forth i think there'll be a demand uh, to some degree, you know, of fans who, who
0: just want to see college football. Well, before I go to
3: Roger and talk about, uh, uh, continue with uh, with Mike, uh, just say that Syracuse, uh, or Syracuse, that uh, Gonzaga is down right now at halftime, the number one team in the country, the number 11, West Virginia, 39 to 34 in a surprising first half. Uh, Roger touched on in the last half hour a little bit.
6: Roger, let's come back to this one. I I, yeah, uh, I, I Mike, got a question. I, Wait, I got a question for you guys watching yeah, that game. Yeah, go ahead. I was watching that get. I was watching that game before I came on here, mm-hmm. and my son and I were watching that. And and you you watch and you tell me. Okay, so you can hear the squeaking shoes. Okay, mm-hmm. of the players on that court, but it sounds like there's it's squeaking a whole lot more than what they should be. Because even times when they're not moving around that much, it's squeaking a lot. And we were we were debating as to whether they're they're piping in not only crowd noise, but the squeaky shoes noise
7: uh, for the broadcast. So, so watch
6: it. I'm serious. That's watch the, it and tell me what, you know, let me know later what you think. Because I'm sitting there. Like, well, they, they, I mean, they, it was squeaking all over the place. And there's like two they guys. Were moving little, on the they were a little place. squeaky disaster afternoon with
3: Texas and North Carolina, too. But Texas won the game with the last second shot by two points. So uh, there's been a lot of great basketball out today as well as the Ravens game. Roger, let's get to you. Yeah. Well, I'm
4: glad you brought Texas up you your, your alma mater. You gave them some credit. You gotta, I
3: got to stay with them. That's um, right.
4: Mike, I got to, uh, you know, uh, I heard today, uh, the, uh, Sun Bowl, uh, will not be played this year. Uh, first time. in, I don't know how many years, many, many years. And I give you a lot of yeah, credit. Yeah, The second and, oldest and all, bowl game. Yeah, mm. exactly. And, uh, I have to give uh, you and and the people with the bowl a lot of credit because this has got to be a real challenge uh, to to put all this together when there's so much uncertainty about everything. And uh, I have to tell you, since getting back into Georgia, I am floored and shocked by the number of people who do not wear masks. I just can't believe it. And, uh, you know, because when you're moving from Pennsylvania, New Jersey— I mean, you wear, you wear, you don't even think about it, you know. And uh, but the other thing, uh, I, I, really, you, the is there any possibility that that something will happen, and the Outback Bowl won't be played, or is it definitely a done deal and it will be played? No uncertainty.
6: Well, we're gonna, we, you know, we're we're moving in that direction. We just gotta to wait to see, you know, if all the all the pieces fall in place and and how how everything uh, develops. I and mean, frankly, I, I, you know, can't tell you a hundred percent either way. Um, it, it's a, um, it's you know, we're dealing with a really fluid situation, and and uh, you know, there you're right. I mean, there's nine. Well, actually, there's ten bowls. That one hasn't been announced yet that we had heard about, but um there's 10 bowls so far that are not playing uh there'll probably be more so you know and you know part of it's geographic part of it is you know uh based on um the financial aspects of the different bowl games you know some some of it's based on the conferences participating and and so forth so it's uh you know, it. You know, right. there you got the local government regulations. Um, I, you know, I think in, I think in you know, like in California, I mean, you've got, you know, the, um, you know, some of the bowls in California are not playing. I think even the Rose Bowl, I don't, I don't think they're going to have any fans at their game. So, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're we're all dealing with something that's, uh, completely new, uh, and ever changing. And so, you know, we'll. You know, we'll keep progressing here uh, as we get closer and sort of see what makes the most sense to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, as of right now, you know, we're we're gearing towards you know playing on on January second. Right,
4: Mike,
2: Mike. Given all the Mike, restrictions that uh, in uh, Tampa and every other stadium, uh, how many tickets will you be able to to uh, sell? How many people will be able to come in?
6: well we're we're using the we 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 will use, we would use the buccaneer model um uh, which i think usf is pretty much using as well but um and and part of that is, is well most of that is really logistics um you know the stadium what they've done is they've gone in and they've they've literally identified uh you know groups of twos and fours tickets throughout the stadium uh with the, with um uh, spacing them out, um, you know, in, in every direction um, around those those blocks of twos and four tickets, um, in order to um, you know create a proper distance between the groups. And they've taken the those seats that are not that they're not selling, and literally zip tied them closed so people can't can't use them. And so, um, which which forces people to only sit in seats that are that are identified as as usable. Um, and in doing that, um, they've—I think they—it's somewhere in the general area of about fifteen, thirteen to fifteen thousand tickets for this stadium, um, and that includes, I think, you know, the, the suites, you know, which, which obviously are a little bit different situation. But um, sure. so yeah, so there's, you know, there'll be roughly, you know, about that number of tickets that would be available. Okay. Similar Mike, to you've games.
3: been in this business a long, long time, and. Uh... I'll tell you, I've been following football for a long, long time. I cannot believe that Alabama is a 28 and a half point favorite over LSU uh, coming out. I mean, I realize Alabama is in a class by themselves, but 28 and a half points, and it just seems outrageous to me. And and the over under is
6: 67 and a half. Isn't that something? Yeah, you know, the, well, you know, it's a combination of things, obviously. I mean, obviously the combination of Alabama being, you know, again, so so good. Um, but also, you know, obviously LSU lost an awful lot uh, from last year. I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's a testament to teams like Clemson and Alabama <clears throat> and, and Iowa State and some of these others that are, you know, in the top, you know, five or six teams, every, you know, every year. You know, as many players as they lose to the NFL, or you know, just graduation, um, you know, it, it's amazing how how more of these top teams don't have down years like LSU is having right now. Because you know, they, you look at how many players they have lost, and, and the and the and the key, uh, the you know, the contributions that those players made to that team's run last year. And, you know, good for them. You know, they got the national championship oh, and all okay. that. So, you know, good for them. Okay. So, But they deserve to have a down year, right? But obviously their their down year has been, a, uh, you know, a bit worse than what they – you know, a lot of people have anticipated. Meanwhile, Alabama is right back up there again. So they they just don't seem to have those down years like a lot of other teams do. So, um, but everybody goes through it. I mean, look at Penn State right now. They're 1-6, and six, you know. Um, you know, nobody would have guessed that in any any kind of year. Um, you know, they're always, a, you know, a, a really strong program, uh, even if they're not playing for the national championship. And, you know, they started out 0-5 this year. So, uh, you know, everybody, you know, all these teams that put these players in the NFL and stuff, uh, you know, they're they're going to have down years at some point. And, uh, and if they don't have, you know, just, you know, three or four guys, you know, backing up that can step right in. And Alabama and what? Ohio State, a couple of these programs can do that, but most of them can't. Mike Schulte, we enjoy
3: having you on with us each and every yes. week. And, of course, we'll continue to get an update not only on college football across the country, but what's going to happen with the Outback Bowl that we all really look forward to uh, every single year. And I know you'll come up with two. Between the, the the two conferences that you work with, you've got to come up with good teas, no matter where they are.
6: Yes yeah i mean if you know if everything goes goes well and, and we're able to, to uh, pull this off this year i think we'll we'll have an exciting you know matchup you know these these programs are all i mean you know it's very exciting oh. to see some some new faces in the crowd too right but some of these programs that you know haven't uh had as much success of, of late but uh are showing that they're they've got some really good coaches and some really good players and um you know if they can all stay healthy then they can you know make some some deep runs look at what iowa state's doing in the big 12 this year i mean so it, it's uh it's it's been fun being able to watch college football and and see some of these surprises this year and and uh you know a lot of football left to be played here before the end of the season well,
0: well you back with your you son
3: and you watch night. the second was... half of this gonzaga game and We'll get together as I said again next week. And Frank, I didn't I didn't hear you on the intercom. Who was coming up next? So I'll let you introduce that guest. Hey well, Don, I just
4: wanted to say before Mike leaves that uh, you know, hopefully, Mike, the uh, vaccine is going to be out sh- very shortly. Uh, the UK has approved that they're already starting to vaccinate people, and maybe this will have a big improvement uh, in the whole situation between now and uh, the
6: 2nd of January. We can only pray. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's, uh, that's going to be a long, drawn-out process. But, yeah, it certainly gives people confidence. And, I, you know, I think the big thing, uh, guys, is that, you know, we all need to just uh, keep praying uh, for our country, keep praying for, <clears throat> for all the people who are fighting uh, this pandemic and, and hope that and pray that, uh you know, sometime in the fairly near future, we can all get back to much more of a normal life. And, uh, and this time next year, you know, we're not talking about any of this stuff. We're only talking about, you know, football and events and and fun
0: things. The game.
6: Right.
2: Exactly.
0: Thanks a lot, Mike.
2: Always a pleasure.
3: Thank you, Mike. Frank, jump in there.
2: Yeah. Before we go into it there, I get some breaking news. It's a, a, um, St. Pete uh, detective uh, was shot this afternoon at 4:18. Um he's uh in very serious condition at the uh, Bayfront Medical Center and the uh, perp is, uh, is at same center, uh, is now on the way in the morgue. So I just want to let everybody know and ask uh, everybody's prayers for uh, the detective and in, uh, in St. Pete. And now we Boy, have the golden, we have the golden tones of
0: the Philadelphia Airways, Mr. Tom Lemayne. DL. Hi, guys. How are we doing? DL can can
3: reevaluate not only a a radio and television star in Philadelphia for such a long period of time, but Tom Lemayne, who did some color for the 76ers and the Flyers, so he's on all bases, but... He's going to tell us how to cure the Philadelphia Eagles right now. <laughs> Tom, welcome <laughs> to the show.
7: Thank you. Thank you. Thank thank you. Uh, I, I'm a little confused here because I, I just finished watching Wednesday afternoon football
6: on NFL. <laughs>
7: <laughs> I watched that, I watched I, that I, whole I, game. The first time that's ever happened. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, one of the things I, I, I got out of that game was, you know, uh, Terry McCauley. He's one of the NFL officials who is now commentator for uh, for NBC. I think it's the first time I ever heard one of these uh, former NFL officials uh, contradict calls that were made on the field. He did it four times today,
0: and uh,
7: I don't know, you know, whether that's a, a you know a statement on how bad officiating is getting these days. But and I and I agreed with him every time he made. A, as a matter of fact, I I. <laughs> I agree with him before I heard his decision on that. And that was unusual. I
1: very
0: rarely hear any of these
7: former NFL officials commentary on the game. Uh, You know, rarely do they make one or two disagreements with officials on the field. But Terry McCauley today made, I think it was four times, he disagreed with uh, decisions that were made on the field in that Pittsburgh Baltimore game. And
4: to me, that was unusual.
0: Well, anybody that
4: watched the game doesn't have AT&T TV or DirecTV (laughs) because you can't get any NBC stations because they're negotiating. Hmm. Is that true? Wait a minute.
3: No, 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 no. no, That's wrong, Roger. I watch the game on NBC. Yeah, I watch it. No, but you don't
4: have DirecTV or AT&T TV. No, I don't have any DirecTV. Oh, have, oh, I see what you grow. mean, Roger. Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. John, if you have,
4: oh, I, I've got yeah. ATT TV, and it says, the, and Brita has DirecTV. We don't get any NBC, so no game today for any of us.
0: Well, That's well, nationwide. Okay. Well, Roger,
4: I, hate
3: to, I hate to <laughs> tell you, but it was on NBC on my TV set because I didn't have right. to change it. You,
4: you got Xfinity. <laughs> you, got, you don't have yeah, DirecTV. You, you get what you Oh, no, no, no
3: DirecTV. Exactly.
4: <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> let's move
7: um, moving yeah, right on.
0: It,
7: it was a good game and I really uh you know, Pittsburgh is really, you know, they're very deserving of their undefeated record. I'm looking forward to the game. Now, if you guys remember, I think it was a couple of months ago, I said there would be a surprise team in the NFL and to me mm-hmm. it was going to be the Buffalo Bills. And I right. I think that's turned out to be true and uh, I think 2 weeks from now Pittsburgh plays Buffalo and I think that's the uh, to me uh, the Buffalo Bills are the real threat. To their undefeated season uh, when they do play Buffalo in a couple of weeks, but uh, hey, you know, uh, you, you know what you missed, Roger, by not having whatever cable system you have. Right. You missed a miss former Penn State quarterback <laughs> Trace, who was I think he was drafted seventieth in the NFL draft, and uh, yeah. he came in as the third string quarterback for uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, and, and I in a short time he was on the field. I thought. Don, you saw the game. I, I, thought,
3: uh, I thought he did a, a pretty commendable job. You can tell me, Tommy, and I agree with you 100%. What in the world was Harbaugh waiting for? I mean, well, he looked awful. I mean, he, play, he left him in there for three quarters, and he couldn't do well, in anything.
7: De- in defense of that, Don, I think he was looking for, for a, 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 an offensive scheme that uh, reflects as closely as possible to his starting quarterback who was out. Right, and if you're yeah, I mean, and that's that's what you have with uh, you know with uh, RG3 uh, in there, RG3 in there, and you know, and to his defense, I, I could understand his thinking there. But boy, when yeah. I saw that former Penn State quarterback come in there and rally the team, I mean, uh, I really believe if he was in there to this point, Don, I agree. If, if he was in I there longer, not, uh,
3: I could not agree with Baltimore? you more. I, I'll tell you. I, I think,
6: pull, he he, didn't, look, he
3: didn't look like a backup quarterback in the short time that he was in there. I'll tell you that.
7: Well, that's how smart people are in the NFL. You know, they just, uh, <laughs> he was drafted 70th, I think, and is the third <laughs> string quarterback uh, for the Ravens. But, uh yeah, that was a good game. And, uh, and Wednesday afternoon football. Who ever thought of that? Did somebody ask <laughs> me about the Eagles? Yeah, uh, Sorry, what yes.
4: about those eagles?
7: <clears throat> you so, know what? This is going to be very unpopular, Roger. But in defense of Doug Peterson, uh, you know, he he has been dealt a hand that he has to maneuver through. Uh, I think he, he's, he's, he's between a rock and a hard place. There are things you <laughs> would like to say, and I see him, you know, I feel the pain of him and these – I feel pain for a lot of these NFL coaches who have to have a post-game interview. But I really feel a pain for uh, Roger. I mean, for uh, Doug Peterson. He, he he would like to say some things that he dare not say. And um, <laughs> he's out there defending. He has to defend a decision that was made by Eagles management right. to sign their quarterback uh, to a, a contract that is the highest in the league. So when he knows that his uh, – his front office has signed him to uh, the biggest court, uh, biggest uh, salary there is. I mean, what's Doug Peterson going to say now? He's trying to work his way around all this, and 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 and, and actually, this all started his defense of uh, of the quarterback is it goes back to last year, and he has been trying in in so many ways to uh, to save Wentz from embarrassment to get him <laughs> out of the funk the funk that he's in. And he can only go so far. And then in, in the midst of all this, the Philadelphia Eagles draft a quarterback in the second round. And right. it's gotta be a, a W it's gotta be a WTF moment for Doug Peterson. And now <laughs> yeah. his whole situation is compounded even more by this situation. And, you know, what does Doug Peterson do? You know, and, and they're gonna question his uh, Call playing, you know, you know, you, you know. It's a, it's Monday morning quarterbacking and everything, but on the on the fourth and long, you know, not too long ago, that call of a fourth and long and going for it would have been, hey, coach, what a great call, way to go! Right. And right. all of a sudden, you know, it's a one eighty, and now why'd you ever call that play? So <laughs> you know, Well, I, but I Tommy, really...
3: wait a minute, wait a minute, Tommy. That the only real question there was. Uh, why would you make that call when if you kicked the field goal, it was a one-score game? And uh, because,
7: Well, Doug Peterson defends his, uh, his actions because that's the way he coaches. He's, he wanted to be aggressive. He said, I, I want to win the game. I don't want to tie the game. I want to win the game. We need a win here. And, you know, you win, you're in first place every week in the NFC East. <laughs> you lose, you're in last place in the NFC East. So, I, you, know, I, you know, but, again, Don, you've you, you got to agree. That not too long ago, that that kind of call, whether he made it or not, would have been "out of boy, coach, good call." And now, because of the situation and how bad the Eagles are playing, he uh, you know he's going to be uh, he's going to be criticized for it. And wow. he uh, you know, and it's funny. I was watching, even though the, the local sports channel here in Philadelphia replayed uh, the Eagles game against Seattle. Uh, we were watching something else here, but when the show we were watching went into a commercial break, I flipped on the uh, station that was running the replay of the Eagles game. And the first, the first time I took a break and watched it, it was Carson Wentz overthrowing in the end zone or underthrowing <laughs> on the sideline. And each time, each time, and I called my wife's attention to it because she was the only one around to hear me, each time Brian Griese said the same thing, he said his receiver had to come back for the ball, and in the uh, in the in the end zone, where was he throwing? Now you say, well, they're not on the same page. Well, if there's any position player on the Philadelphia Eagles that should be on the same page as their quarterback, it's their tight ends, because right. the tight ends the tight ends lead the Eagles in receptions. So you know, it's a it's a situation where you're trying, you know, trying like hell to defend to defend Carson Wentz, and um, I, I mean, I go along with Brian Greasy. I mean, those two things caught my attention, and he said what I had said to my wife, you know, before Brian Greasy had said anything about those two plays. Uh, you know, my wife said, you know, you, <laughs> you think you might have been a former broadcaster at one time, say it. I said, well, you know, you look at the game and you see the things the way you see them. And, you uh, oh, know, Carson, I don't know what's wrong with Carson Wentz. Uh, he's not going to you know, deteriorate that quickly. Uh, well, how quickly is it? You know, I think of,
0: uh,
7: you know, Joe, Joe, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. How long ago? I mean, maybe it was eight years ago. Well, Joe Flacco was a a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, He won the Super Bowl. He was one of the best quarterbacks. And then, you know what happened? The same thing happened to him. That just happened to Carson Wentz. And my wife always says this. As soon as a guy signs a big contract, it seems like he goes south. And uh, that happened to Joe Flacco. Of course, Joe was injured, but so was Carson Wentz. And Matt
0: Ryan, And Matt Ryan.
7: And Matt Ryan. Yes. So there's a, you're right, Roger, there's a thread there. And I think um, I, I, I just think that the, you know, he, the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles is trying his best to get into a situation. He's walking on pins and needles. He uh, is trying to, he's trying to defend too many people. He's trying to defend the front office. He's trying to defend a quarterback who's having a terrible year. He's trying his best to, you know, make the most out of a terrible situation. In Philadelphia, and uh, you know, you know, he's off on Doug Peterson. I mean, uh, Tommy. Tommy. You know, like the a- bottom
3: line is the bottom line is Tommy. They can't cover up for the general manager president. I mean, he's the one you have to forget about what Wentz does because, as you indicated and correctly so, they drafted a backup quarterback in the second round when he just signed one quarterback for the largest salary in the league. Now that doesn't make any sense at all. But look at the draft choices that he's directed since 2014. I mean, you're talking over the last six and Bad. a half years. How many players right. that has he drafted that you know are really impact players? None.
0: <laughs> well, how
7: many
3: players has he? How many
7: players has he not drafted when they needed players at that position? Well, so well, you, you know, okay. I, see
3: that. That's, that's the one that's thing okay. I don't. I, everybody does that. Well, why didn't they? Why didn't they draft Medcalf because Medcalf was there? Uh, You know, we could do that with every single team. You could say, well, why didn't this team draft this offensive tackle because he was there? But it's not a matter of one player. It's a matter of all players. You got all those rounds and all those players, and he doesn't have anybody.
7: And sometimes, Don, the excuse of we wanted the best player available doesn't always work. No. That's the old line, the best player (laughs)
3: available.
7: And how how do you know whether he's the
3: best player available?
7: Well, whether that position needs to be filled or not, they use that excuse. Well, he was the best player available, so we took him. But in the case of uh, in the case of, uh, of of the Eagles drafting Hurts, uh, I have I have no idea what they were thinking. No idea, unless you know. I mean, I no, I don't know. I mean, how can you just sign your number one quarterback to the best, the biggest, you know, contract right. <laughs> that exists right. right now, and then in the same breath, almost in the second round, a quarterback? I mean, you're, you're, you don't say, well, he's a back. No, 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 no. You don't waste your second-round pick on a backup quarterback. You could have had Trace McSorley, for crying out loud. He was drafted 70th, and he'd have been a, he'd right. been a good enough backup quarterback. Uh, I, I just, uh, you know, I think in many, in many cases, Don, I think Howie Roseman just outsmarts himself.
3: And I, and well, I think Let me the, tell you, I, I could not agree with you more. Howie's the one that's got to go. Forget about talking about the coach because he's not going anywhere this year. I'm not saying next year, if next year's as bad as this year and they can't make any any improvement, then okay, he's going to get rid of it. But he's not going to get rid of him this year with the amount of money left on his salary and where he stands and with all the difficulty with uh, the pandemic and uh, no spring practice at all. Well, he's not going to get rid well, of him. But I'll tell you what, if he doesn't get rid of that general manager, he's never going to have well, a not, team. Well,
7: well, well, not only that, Don, well, you're speaking about not getting rid of Doug Peterson, he can still win the division. I mean, so
0: Absolutely. you're not
7: going to fire, right. fire a guy who wins the division, no matter how bad that division is. And, <laughs> you know, if uh, if if Peterson, you know, I don't really. I really feel that bad for Doug if, if something is, is in the offing for him to be uh, no longer a coach of the Phillips because he will just join the uh, NFL coaching carousel, and I guarantee you within 10 minutes he'll have a job somewhere else. Maybe the the, the New York Jets. Uh, I don't know, but, but you're right. You, there's no way they're going to get rid of him, and they shouldn't, and if only because, as I said at the beginning, in defense of Doug Peterson, he is in a man who is between a rock and a hard place. He's defending his quarterback. He's defending decisions made by the front office. He's defending plays that are not completed. Not because they are called. It's because the plays that are called are not completed. What I mean? Right. <laughs> or you can say, well, the def- well, the receiver ran the wrong route. Would you throw mm-hmm. directly to the opposing team's linebacker? I mean, <laughs> and there's no other Philadelphia Eagle receiver. Anywhere within sight of Seattle and Philadelphia, I mean, uh, there, that's not that's not a that's not a receiver running the wrong route, and he doesn't look off enough. How many times have you right. said that? He doesn't throw away the ball. We said, well, he's trying to do too much. Well, I don't want to hear that. You know, you know, look at look at how quickly guys get the ball off. What, what is the number? Two seconds. If you can't get the if you're a quarterback and you can't get rid of the ball in two seconds in a definitive way. Then you get rid of it. You throw it out of bounds. You know, a good friend of mine, Roman Gabriel, he told me that a long time ago. He said, I know right away. I know within a couple of seconds. I know a, a guy around the right route, or if I have a guy who's open, if they're playing three deep or two deep or it's a zone, whatever it is, I know right away what it is, and I'll throw it out of bounds. And as a result, you look up the stats, Roman Gabriel has the least amount of interceptions per football's thrown than anybody I know. And that was because that was his thinking. He, you
0: know, Wait a minute, was, though, uh, Tommy.
3: Wait a minute, though. Go back Go back on that. How many times was he sacked? Go look at the record on Roman Gabriel and look at how many times look, he was look sacked at the team. for exactly yeah, the same God. thing that Carton Wentz is doing.
7: Well, I want to tell you something. I'm glad you brought that up because despite the fact that Roman Gabriel was beat up and sacked so many times, underwent five operations on the same knee
0: Bef- be- before right. they
7: got to a point where they could not find anywhere else to operate on him. He was the toughest quarterback back there. I ever knew. And I'm the, not, I'm not questioning. Was-
0: is,
3: I'm not questioning the fact that he was the toughest quarterback. All yeah. I'm questioning is when you say he got rid of the ball in to half, six, three seconds, he did not. He got hit and he got hit and he uh, got hit. And you know, whether he threw an interception, it didn't make any difference no, no, because well, he was, he was on no, no, the ground.
7: The bottom line is, Don, that if you get sacked, you still have the ball. When you throw an interception, right. you don't have the ball. And That's right. I just think, and, and, you know, one thing, before the, the year before the Eagles got Roman Gabriel, and we me get off this real quick now, but the year before the Eagles got Roman Gabriel, they were last in offense. The year that he came to the Eagles, they automatically became first in offensive National Football League. So, I mean, I'm going to leave my, my – let's, uh, you know, leave history to the, <laughs> the
4: historians. And, that, know, was, the and that was even
3: with Waters playing tackle. Yeah,
4: that's Stanley Waters, yeah. Well, so, anyway, that's, uh, what, 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 uh, what, in my opinion, what Tom was saying is that quarterbacks get it normally in two and a half seconds. Okay, and I look at Mahomes the other night he mm-hmm. everybody's covered he rolls out to the right and throws sidearm to the guy who was like wide open but on right there on the sideline that's the key that when you have a good quarterback but don the talent that uh, the that uh, roman had was lack of the talent that carson west has now is lack of and then you look at the talent that Mahomes has and Andy mm-hmm. has and has built up, it's unbelievable. And the problem is yeah, Howie.
3: Roger,
8: Roger, guy, I agree minute, with you 100%, minute, minute, 100% let me but
4: that's not let me that's, that's
3: Reed drafting those let players. That's Reed's general manager getting it the is. players. It is. I agree then... with
4: you. If you let me finish, I'll tell you what the <laughs> callers are saying, okay? And that is to put Howie Roseman in some closet like where Chip Kelly <laughs> <Hilley> put <him>. up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, that's
4: what he should do, and get him the hell out of the pos- position. But that ain't going to happen, with Jeff Oh, Biori. yes, it is. I they're, believe. No, I, believe is I believe
3: it is going to happen. They're. I believe he's absolutely going to. I absolutely believe he's going to fire him. If not, the next game, right after that.
4: No. They're 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 connected at the hip, Don No. Yeah.
3: I I don't know about that, but uh,
7: you know, I just think. Uh, I think that if you read the body language of uh, Jeff Lurie the last uh, couple of months uh, or a couple of weeks, I should say, he's not a very happy man. But he walked out of a game. He did not go to one game in Cleveland, and uh, I think uh, you're right to some degree, Don. He's he's definitely going to make a move, and uh, you know your front office moves. If you're if it's a question of personnel, I don't think. And and, and the thing is, why I don't know why they had to sign. Carson Wentz to this mega contract when they, when they you know, he, he really, you know, still had to, to my estimation, he still had to prove himself. I mean, right. he was not the best quarterback the Eagles had over the last couple of years. The best quarterback the Eagles had the last couple of years is now playing for the Chicago Bears. So I, I right. don't know why there was a rush to sign him to this big contract. And that's, that's a big reason why Doug Peterson is in the spot that he's in. You know, he's got to defend this decision that was made by Howard Wilson. Mm-hmm. He's got to defend the quarterback because he is the guy. He said, he's my man. What else is he going to say? I mean, come on, you know, is he going to start oh, next Sunday? Uh, no, I'm not going to start him next Sunday. What do you, you, you expect me to say? You know, I mean, sometimes no. I'm, I'm so embarrassed. Tommy, let, well, let, me,
3: let me just add one point, Tommy, and you, you were half correct in that. was uh, The game in Cleveland was the first game since he has owned the team. That he did not go. He did not even go to the game. He didn't walk out. He did not go to the game. Right. What does that tell first, you? First one.
4: Well, he's embarrassed. And 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 what today does that you, uh, uh, <laughs> on, it, on today on Entercom uh, 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 dot com, yeah, it's, it it says that it all starts with Lurie, and I agree with that. I want Howie right. Roseman gone. I wanted him gone when Chip Kelly was here because I've never been a Howie Roseman fan, Don, but well, I that's do when think the split, that
3: that's when the split really came when, when, uh, when you're right. That's when it actually uh, really started to fall apart.
4: Well, yeah, but if, then uh, Jeffrey that... Lurie kept them and moved <clears throat> them. You know, they, they kept them on the team. Listen, look at <clears throat> uh, Matt Clintack. There's no friggin' way. Matt Clintack should still be with the Philadelphia Phillies organization. And they move <clears> him <throat> into a different job. You gotta be kidding me. In industry, you, you get fired. You get fired. You're gone.
7: Well, that's uh, Doug Peterson has Doug Peterson has Howie Roseman looking over his shoulder all the time, and he's got. And like I said, the the big problem is he has he's defending a decision that was made by the front office. He's defending the fact that Carson Wentz has to be the man. What's he going to do? Is he going to embarrass the front office by putting Jalen Hurts in there and say, "Well, look." You guys, he's, he's not, you waste, you used a second round pick on Jalen Hurts. Why shouldn't I put him in there? It was your decision, not mine.
0: That's and right. Quarterback, yeah,
7: that was it's not the
6: closest decision.
4: You're
7: yeah, right. Exactly. exactly. And if the starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, is not doing the job, well, didn't you draft your second draft choice? Did not you draft a quarterback? Yeah. And he may be, you know, I, 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 that's to me, you know, it's so easy in this town to criticize the coach, and he's getting a lot of heat. And I really really feel sorry for him when I hear him in the post-game news conferences. He's stumbling through. He's saying, because he's trying to think, how the hell am I going to defend the quarterback and at the same time defend decisions that are being made by the front office, defending Mm -hmm. the position players that I needed that they didn't go out and get for me, you know, I can't say anything because, you know, I'm the, quarter, I am the, I am the head coach, and I'm supposed to make the most of this mess if I'm worth my right. weight in gold. And that's what he's trying to do. And I Roger, just don't understand some of this. Some of, here's another, another player that people are so quick to get on here in Philadelphia, and you may disagree with me, but Alshon Jeffries. What made Alshon <laughs> Jeffries <laughs> such a great receiver when he was with the Chicago Bears, who certainly did not have the talent that the Philadelphia Eagles had at that time, what made Alton right. Jeffries so good? He is a 50-50 player. He'll get the jump ball. He, and he's, mm-hmm. I don't know whether there's a disconnect between Jeffries and Carson Wentz, whatever it is, but I'll tell you, I saw a game today in, in Pittsburgh. There, you throw uh, two guys around. How about the Hale Murray call? You know, how many yeah. Buffalo Bills did that Kansas City mm-hmm. receiver have around him when he made that catch? That's yeah. the kind of play – that I thought they got Alshon Jeffries for. He can make up mm-hmm. for a lot of mistakes that your quarterback is going to make because he'll go get the ball for you. Well, you know, all you got to do is throw it in his vicinity, and he'll get it. All you got
4: to do is throw
2: it up
7: hurt. in the air when he's got – but no, he was playing, though. He's, he's gotten snaps
3: over the last couple of games.
7: but oh, yeah, they just but I mean he, he
4: was hurt for a number of games.
3: Let me give you two guys a, a, an analysis, and you can kick it around. Number one, Roger brought up Reed a moment ago and the talent that he has around him out there in, in Kansas City, which is absolutely 100% true. He's got great, great players in all, almost every position. But the fact was, he was run out of Philadelphia after he had a very, very successful career in Philadelphia. He was run out because of last year he won three games. Why did he lose? Why did he win three games? Because he didn't have the talent. The front office did not bring any talent into Philadelphia until he was gone. Went to Kansas City, got with an organization that brought talent in. And now he's got the best team in the league. So, you know, it, 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 that's the way it goes. You got to be able to do something.
4: Yeah, but Don, here's the difference. Here is the difference Howie mm-hmm. Roseman has been a very bad drafter over the years. What he did have success with was bringing in players late in their career for one more go round, <clears throat> and that's why they won the Super Bowl. Chris Chris uh, Long, okay, uh, Blunt, what a, uh, uh you know uh, the guy that Blunt, was a big yeah. back. They got yeah, that's LeGarrette what he, he was successful doing, not with draft picks like Andy has and his staff. He was a one-shot deal for a couple of years. That's it. And that's why we've been talking about their drafting is awful, awful, awful. But the success was because of that group of players that were at the end of their career and had enough for one year. It was like you're right, getting... right. But here
7: But here, here, here is a player of that ilk that you're talking about that the Eagles do not have. Who was a go, who is the little go to guy that the Dallas Cowboys over always had who would run the under pattern and catch it? Who was the little guy so, that the New England Patriots? Beasley. Beasley. Yeah. who is the little guy that the successful New England Patriots had that would run underneath and get that play that you needed? Oh, who so is the pardon me?
3: And still does. Edelman. He's still got the little yes, guy.
7: And still does. Edelman. Now, can you remember the last
4: time the Eagles had
7: a player like that?
4: Well, it was Aguilar uh, for the Super Bowl year, and now he's doing, uh, doing very well where, where he's playing.
7: Yeah, he, he, he doesn't fit the mold physically, but I guess that would be the closest guy you can think of. But don't you think that a guy like that, would be a tremendous help for Carson Wentz right now.
4: Oh, absolutely, Tom. Absolutely. Because
7: obviously obviously, he's having trouble with long passes. He's underthrowing his receivers. They're having to come back to the ball. And in the end zone, he's overthrowing his receivers. But, but, and the Eagles are worse at third down, but that's a third down guy. you got Edelman's a third down guy. The, the other right. player we were talking about is a third down guy. They don't have that kind of guy who can bail out Carson Wentz when he's in trouble like that. And and you're right, Don. There's there's if you're gonna if you're not gonna draft a guy, then pick up a guy from you know, that has established himself in the league that can do that ki- can get you that kind of a play when you need it. And uh you know, you don't have a Beasley. You don't have an
0: Elder. But God knows yeah. you need
3: one. Okay we're gonna we are we got to end this segment about it. this one thing in closing. And that <laughs> is that both Greasy, in fact, all three of the commentators on Sunday night's game, or Monday, whatever night it was, Sunday night or Monday night, I forget what night he type play now. Everyone has spent a great deal of time, and if you guys all watch the game, spent a great deal of time about some of the things that Wentz is doing incorrectly. He's not putting enough air on the ball in certain areas. He's not throwing the ball hard enough on the line. On, he said, they, they said on the broadcast you got to get a quarterback coach that's going to work with him because his mm-hmm. technique is not effective and won't be effective in this league the way he's throwing the ball. Dad, did you hear that mm-hmm. or not? Yes. Well, if that's, if that's well, the
7: case, why did, you, why did you give him the big contract? If,
3: if he can't well, do that.
7: No, these are the broadcasters you're,
3: you're, you're saying this. This isn't yeah. the equal management. But,
7: Don, Don do you're elite quarterbacks. Do your elite quarterbacks in the NFL do they do they need a quarterback coach? No, they've got it. They don't need it. They, if you you have it or you don't have it. If you're not if you're going to crumble under pressure and you're going to be confused back there and you're going to run around trying to do something
3: that's not going to work,
7: that's you. You have to. Yeah, be but Tommy, they weren't
3: saying they weren't saying anything about it being confused. They were talking about what he was doing with the football, how he was throwing it. To the receivers that we're looking at, they—they they weren't talking anything about his confusion. Was he, you, know, uh, you know, not get, not executing well, the play that, the way it should be played?
4: Don, let me let me go that, back that, to what if I if said that, earlier that's in the show.
3: that's the,
7: the case, show. Don, they don't they don't need a quarterback coach. They need a psychologist. That's right. <laughs> let me, let me, we got to We, we go got to go, go. go. We got go to go. We go. Wait a minute. Wait a
4: Before we go, before we go, as I said earlier in the show, I respect Charlie Weiss a lot. Charlie White said today, "Wentz is a really good quarterback. He is a broken man, and it's confidence, 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 because of the lack of talent and because of the uh, la- the play calling." And everybody talks about Frank Reich. I agree. John, what is it? Stefano, uh, DeFalippo, the quarterback coach. He has had uh, tr- a turnover. Of coaches they didn't want they didn't want out uh, uh grow to go okay and or red uh, doug didn't want grow to go it says he's going to be around next day he's fired because the management you know uh, howie and laurie want him gone doug peterson does not have hardly any power in that organization, as far as personnel goes, that's the bottom thank you. line. I, but Tom, my, am, am you're I'm right. A okay, hold it, hold my it, hold. Tommy. Thank good. you very, very
3: I, much, Tommy. We, we always appreciate it. Let me uh, let me ask what, what's
7: what's the over under on how many games?
3: And you're we'll do it all. We'll play, do we're it we're all again worse. in a couple of weeks, so we can decide well, whether no, anything's getting over, better get or whether anything's getting worse. Forget
4: the golf tonight. Forget the golf tonight.
3: Okay, Frank. Bring our next guest in, Frank.
2: All right. We have a, have a, a um, guy who has uh, been a friend for over 50 years. He's, he's a, um, uh, a guy of many talents. He was, he was not only a boxer, uh, he was an a, a outstanding athlete both in, in high school and in, at the University of Delaware. Uh, he excelled at the um, at Temple uh, University Dental School. He's also been a boxer. He knows uh, all there is about boxing. He's our boxing historian, historian from uh, our Saturday Night Show. This is Doctor Doctor Chris Panarella. Chris, how are you doing tonight?
8: Pretty good. I'm sitting there laughing.
2: <laughs> you, when you start an
8: NFL controversy,
2: you,
8: everybody starts screaming. You
0: got it. I know. I know
8: exactly what. I know exactly what he's talking about with uh, Brady. Um, I wonder why uh, the coach was having him throw downfield all the time. It's not the coach. It's, it's Brady. Brady calls him almost as all his own plays. And he doesn't have the arm he once that. Instead of throwing right. two 10 yarders, he tries to throw 135 yarders. He's not accurate anymore downfield. Uh, and he didn't look good the other night. I watched the whole damn game. And uh, the. Uh, Wolbon and his buddy had, had, had talked 20 minutes on this the other night about Brady losing some strength in his arm. And uh, I, I think that uh, that's what's happening, that he, he's the one that uh, calls the plays. The other guy, the coach doesn't. Arias, he doesn't co- co- call him. So I, I don't know. I, I, Brady, I mean, he surprised me. He threw that long pass to uh, Gronkowski. Then he threw and tried to throw another long, and he came up short and had it intercepted. That, that was the game right there.
3: Well, he uh, threw it first of all. He threw it through the pass too short, and secondly, he threw it right into double coverage. So, I mean, there was no way right, that ball right. could not have been intercepted, and any way in the world that ball wasn't going to be intercepted. Well let's get to another and exhibition it, it, because if you've been yeah, with Frank for fifty, if if you've been with Frank for fifty years, and uh, he's he's been a friend of yours, you want to be able to tell us about this exhibition fight with Mike coming up on this weekend because there are two guys you raised who got to fight. How do you get them together and make money on pay for t- pay per view TV?
0: <laughs>
3: you talking about Tyson and his and, and the light
8: heavyweight champ?
0: That was a terrible
8: fight. It was terrible. I watched it. It was awful. Uh, The the heavyweight champion looked smaller than the light heavyweight champion. And uh, and Mike, Mike, the other guy, I I got a kick out of it. And when Mike got inside, he couldn't do much. And and the other guy can't take a punch anymore. Everybody was knocking him down. uh, But he was a great middleweight. He's a great middleweight, but uh, uh, I mean that fight. That fight was awful.
3: That was a, a public hoax.
8: <laughs> and, uh, well, one he thing, and one he time he money. held.
3: One time he held three titles, didn't he? <laughs> oh, he was a great lighter.
8: Yeah, he, he beat. Uh, he won the heavyweight title too. He won that. He had the middleweight. He, he abandoned the middleweight, and uh, and uh, and then he was the uh, light heavyweight champion. Then he. He beat that guy uh, with a Spanish name. He beat him. Uh, the guy weighed about 215, and he beat him. But uh let Let me ask back. you this.
4: Yeah, let me ask you this, uh, doctor. The, uh, I'm Chris, always interested in somebody that's had a, a very distinguished uh, career, you know, in dentistry, medical, and gets into boxing. What was it that got you into becoming a boxer, and were you always interested in it from the time you were very young? Yes. I, I was born and raised in Marcosok.
8: And we fought every block. We had a little right. mini fist fight. The town was tough. Everybody had boxing gloves. The boxing you got the gloves were there. there. Yeah, the refineries there, yeah. And and um, and my dad was a great boxing fan and actually a promoter. And he used to take me to all the amateur fights when I was in when I was six seven eight years old he'd take me to fights every night with him and I said someday I'm going to be a boxer and became my favorite sport and uh, wow. when I saw the movie when I when I saw the movie uh, with John Garfield uh, and then and later on Kirk Douglas I said that's what I'm going to do so I started out but Along the, along the way, I, I I wanted to play football, and I was a, I was a 195 pound lineman, but I wasn't tall enough to box as a uh, as a uh, heavyweight, so I had to fight as a middleweight. So I, I uh, that's what I did. I took the 35 pounds off, fought as a middleweight. I, I was going to, oh, turn to say because you're talking about
3: you're talking about 147 pounds now as opposed to 195, right? One 160. 160. 160. Middle Midway,
8: the middleweight limit is 160. But I, I wanted to do it. I, I fought around Philly. I got as far as the finals of the uh, AAU championships and got robbed up at Henley's Boys Club. And uh, I got so disgusted with who was running boxing that I quit. And they made me a s- sensational offer, you know. And I turned it down. I didn't want to get involved. My father wouldn't let me. He said, boy, you don't know who you're fooling with. You get the hell out of this sport. And uh, oddly enough, I got accepted to dental school when I was 19. So I gave up my whole boxing career. But that's how I got into it.
4: Were you Um, at at Temple Dental School when uh, Bruce Drysdale was there?
8: I was at Temple when uh, Hal Lear, Tink Van Patten, uh, you were there uh, you man. were there
3: before the the owl without a vowel. You were there before him, right? Mm-hmm. Or after yeah. him.
8: After, no, after Milkby. Yeah. was from was, upstate was Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania around eleven around yeah, yeah, that was
4: the championship team in fifty eight. Right. That went that lost right. to Kentucky in Burn and Guy Rogers, uh in the uh, backcourt with Bill Pickles Kennedy, Tink Van Patton, uh J. Pappy Norman. You know, that was that team. Brodsky. That's that, I was at Temple then.
8: That's the year I was there when they went yeah, all the went way to the right NCAA. Before I
4: went to Temple. Yeah,
8: yeah, yeah. when you, you're bringing back names now, Guy Rogers,
0: <laughs>
8: Guy Rogers, How uh they all it was, it was a great era of basketball in the city. You know, with the it Big was. Five. Remember that? The Big Five yeah. was. We 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 just loved it. It was a great. We were at the Pallister. We went every game, you know, to the Palestra. We had a great time, Fall Temple all the way to New York, and and uh, it was a, it was a fun. It was a fun. Uh, even though I was a football player, I love I love to watch basketball. So I had a great time. But do you still follow the today?
3: What what's that? Do you still follow what is It's called boxing and basketball closely today.
8: I follow I follow boxing religiously. I don't follow ba- basketball as much as I once did. You know, I'm, 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 I watch a few college games, and mostly Duke. And then I I, uh, I never miss the you know the NCAA final, but I'm more right. into boxing than I am. Well, Chris, thank
3: you, thank you very much, Chris, for joining us tonight and talk a little bit about the two old-time champions that really have have a tough time putting it together. Now I don't know who I don't know who paid for that, but somebody got stuck somewhere. well but, I, can you, I can't even believe they
8: made the match. I I can't even believe they made the match. I can't. I can't, I
0: can't,
8: I can't believe that uh, the light heavyweight looks as good as he did.
4: He looks
8: pretty good for it every day, right, Chris? That's right. Well, he said, that goes back a long way.
0: And the the, the <laughs> circus
8: guy said that.
0: The brother, what was his name? Yeah. Well, Chris, thank,
3: thank you very, thank you very much, Chris. And we'll have you on with us again. And next uh, time there's a big boxing box box match, we'll have you join us. All, all right, I enjoy. It. I would enjoy it. All
2: Take right, care, ever, man. You on Saturday. All right, thank you very much.
4: Next guest, hey, Frank. This, uh, thanks for having Chris on. That was great. You know, I'd love to talk to him more about some of the old time boxing. You know, we do a uh,
2: you know we do a boxing show on Saturday nights, Roger. It's hundred uh, percent boxing. It's uh, seven thirty to eight thirty, uh, and uh, it's Chris, um, uh, Terry uh, Z, Terry Zito, and um, uh, Ty Parquet. Uh, they're both, uh, one is a teacher in um, Muay Thai, the other one is a teacher in boxing, and then we have a uh, MMA wrestler, uh, or MMA participant, I should say, uh, Bob uh, Gilfeather from, um, the, for MMA and, and UFC. So that's uh, that's our stand for Saturday. Well,
3: well, there they are. You can tune in, people are listening in, you can tune in on Saturday and find out all in the... Network. Fighting, yeah, you got it. We got to go right We had we had an interesting game today in the National Football League, as, as Tommy said a few minutes ago. You never see it after the football game on a Wednesday, and we had one today. And Doug, Doug Hamilton, our PGA official, is uh, going to be joining us here in a second. And uh, Doug, you're in Baltimore. I know you followed that game pretty closely today. It was a little chilly down there. Not playing golf, but uh, tell us what your uh, What's your impressions were of that game? Oh,
9: jeez! I tell you, um, I, I've got several. I've got several viewpoints. Um, I'll start with the okay. obvious that uh, um, I, I actually thought that the Ravens um, played a decent football game. You know, I know um, it's it's never good to walk away with a loss, uh, but um, I think considering. Uh, 23 players uh, being on the injured slash COVID list uh, certainly depleted uh, what their available resources were to to field a uh, you know a normal team uh, that would have been a little more competitive. But uh, that being said, I mean I think that the players that did play uh, played particularly well. Um, you know, certainly could have been a lot worse. Their defense looked pretty good. I think that uh, all in all, they they escaped uh, the game uh, with. Uh, minor uh scathing injuries and can kind of regroup themselves hopefully to get some more players back and and make a run here towards the end i mean i believe their uh their final um five games uh four of uh, three or four of them are against you know jacksonville uh dallas uh New York giants, which are all sub you know five hundred teams. Uh they have the uh the Browns I think to compete with and I believe there's one that I'm missing which I can't think of and it doesn't matter. Uh they need to win, you know, probably you know, four of those five games. Um and I think they can still probably make the playoffs uh and hopefully get, get right at the right time in terms of health and um and spark. Um that's that's the first thing. The second thing is
3: Well hold hold um, before you get to the second before you get to the second thing, Doug, I wanna disagree yeah. with you at one point. I thought I thought it was one of Harbaugh's best uh, preparation games because I think he was correct in in appealing to the league day after day that this Mm -hmm. game should not be played because of the virus. I think he was 100% correct. They did this because they want to satisfy television, and they also want to be sure that uh, they're playing the full complement of games and there aren't that many bye days left that they could have made it up. So I give Harbaugh all the credit in the world for, for, you know, for sacrificing his team yeah. because you knew he wasn't going to win that game. He wasn't going to beat Pittsburgh, but yet they played, as you said, they played a, ter- a very, very good outstanding game from a defensive standpoint to stay in it. I think he waited too long to come to the second quarterback. I think he should have taken the quarterback out much sooner mm-hmm. than he did. And yeah. number three, uh, in, in my case, the uh, uh, I did not think that uh, – uh, Pittsburgh played very well. I mean, the first, uh, the first quarter, and second quarter, they must have dropped. They must have dropped ten balls. <laughs> I mean, I never saw a Pittsburgh yeah. team drop so many
9: balls as they did today.
3: Uh, there are well, my three
9: observations. Now, go to your second yeah. point. For sure. Yeah. Now, I, your second point was, you know, your point was my second point, but, um, and, and I'll get to that in a second. But um, I, I think what we saw out of that football game was. Uh, that, that the Baltimore Ravens are a fairly deep football team in terms of being able to, to bring players from the practice squad and uh, second and third stringers that they were able to play respectable football game. I think that what we saw was uh, Robert Griffin's tenure in the NFL, I believe, is, has sailed. Um, I think that Trace McSorley can run a very similar style of offense that uh, Lamar Jackson runs in terms of the read option and uh, the short and intermediate passes. Um, and, and I think that what we saw was sticking that kid in that spot where he probably wasn't ready to play um, has hopefully opened someone's eyes to uh, moving forward to, to next year in terms of not even being not even close. He, he wasn't even close to being ready to play. Yeah. All right. So my other point is, I find it deeply disturbing uh, that our world. Um, not just the NFL, but in general, and I'll get to this in, in just a second, but I, I, I'm deeply disturbed by uh, the, the greed and the monetary and, and, and as you said, to play this football game uh, in, in this fashion to basically sacrifice, uh, you know, potentially other players that could have gotten hurt, um, that weren't ready to play. Um, they had two walkthroughs and haven't had a practice in 10 days, um, you know in in the midst of the covid virus which you know on that field we, we you know we we can assume that these players tested negative they played or whatever but could have been asymptomatic whatever the case may be i don't know i don't care i'm just saying we we did this for dollar bill just for tv and and this is the way of the world you know because um this is a conversation that i've had on a daily basis uh that within a two week span Uh, my country club has had three employees and one member test positive for COVID yet we're still opening our doors for people to play golf. So now you're asking your, your employees to come into a workplace that that could possibly come in contact with somebody that could could then spread the virus and get that person sick for the almighty dollar. And I, and I'm, I'm, I'm sickened, um, by, you know, college sports to put those kids, um, um, in a place where they could they could spread the disease and get sick, um, college basketball, college football, professional sports, all these things are done for the mighty dollar, and I I find I'm deeply disturbed by that. And and i that's that's kind of my my rant I guess for the week. But um, I understand that our economy needs uh, people to spend money, and I, I and I know that money makes the world go round. But at what point does someone step up and say? We're not doing this at the expense of our employees. We're not doing this at the expense of these kids who are here to get an education. Um, you know, and we're not going to play this football game because we don't feel like it's it's safe. And I and I, and I could use some other choice words here, but I, I find it to be BS that that's the case. Roger.
3: Whoops, where where Roger went? Tommy. Oh,
1: uh, Doug. Uh, uh, this greetings. Happy holidays to you, Doug. Um, I got a question for you for golf here right now. Mm-hmm. What, say, say what would you tell the members up there about if it, you start around in the rain up there? Like we used to play Monday and they had the, it was raining mm-hmm. rain the thunder yeah. shower and the sun and and the, and the clouds broke up. But what'd you tell a golfer that it's raining all day can he play around of golf? What would you suggest to him or, or to tell
9: him? Mm. Yeah, I mean um we we typically err uh, from a golf course uh, standpoint on the side of caution with uh, regard to, you know, the conditions themselves. I mean, we're most, most country clubs ourselves included are closed on Mondays uh, this time of year. Um, but even Tuesday we were closed uh, because mm-hmm. of the soft conditions and we don't really want to, um, you know, portray a situation where out of the quote unquote growing season as we are now, where you know, if somebody goes out there and they, tramp around on the greens and and take ball marks and divots and those sorts of things, it's it's going to be uh, more problematic for uh, the healing of that turf. Uh, So we typically err on the side of caution and and, and close this time of year when it comes to that kind of thing. Now I will tell you that as the weather starts to cool, and we've talked about this in the past that, you know, a lot of our members will uh, utilize push carts or just, you know, put their bag on the shoulder and go for a walk and, uh, maybe they'll take some of their clubs out to just, you know, get some exercise and, and, and kind of go knock it around and, and put their winter, you know, pom-pom, baldy cap on to uh, mm-hmm. endure some of the conditions. I mean, we had uh, maybe a dozen or so people uh, play today. It was about, uh, I'd say, low 40s with a little wind today. So it was kind of chilly. And uh, I think by and large you'll you'll start running into, you know, frost delays and uh that, that crunch, if you will, of, of that eleven to one o'clock time frame where we may be in some of the warmest uh portions of the day where people want to play, but on the outsides of that it's you know, it's it's um hit or miss this time of year for sure. Mm-hmm. Hey, it might have been
3: a little warmer down where you I are, mean, but I'll tell you one thing. It was not warm on here in New Jersey. I'll tell right. you that. We had we had a lot of wind and I don't think the temperature got over forty all day.
9: Sure.
0: Yeah, hey, it uh, uh, You know, yes, uh,
9: before I, sure.
4: I was about to uh, uh, agree with you before I was cut off. And, mm-hmm. uh, but I just wanted uh, to say, I, I understand your position. And, uh, but when I look at the, the culprit, as I understand it with the Ravens, it was one of mm-hmm. the coaches. Is that right? The For strength sure. and flexibility um, coach.
9: Yeah. One of, one of the staffers. Um, and, and you know what, Roger, that's, that's the thing is, you know, just, just like we play golf, um, you know, we, we ask, it's a gentleman's sport. We ask people to, you know, accurately count their score and write it down and, um, and be honest about, about themselves and their game. And, you know, we're talking about COVID, where, you know, you or me or anybody else could wake up tomorrow and not feel well. And, you know, what do, what do we do as men? We take a couple of Tylenol, we get in the shower, we have a cup of coffee, and we go to work because that's what we were taught, that's what we do. And, right. you know, this is a scenario where, where, you know, if you have any of these symptoms and you go to a workplace, you may not and, – and that's what I'm saying is the scary part about this uh, is that there are a lot of people that are spreading this disease that are asymptomatic that don't even have any of the symptoms uh, but yet come in contact with people. They're not wearing their masks. They're not, you know, socially distancing. They're not washing their hands. They're not taking, you know, the proper precautions that they need to take. Uh, to be able to be in a safe environment, and we just go about our business every day like it's like it like it's what it used to be, and and that's not that's that's such a selfish attitude uh, towards you know mankind in general, and my point was, you know hef, heaven forbid we would have had to postpone this this football game uh, because of a COVID outbreak, and we would have had to do what scramble to finish week twelve, and the playoff scenario, and all these different things that came into place. Um, At the expense of what, you know, are we talking about? And that's what I'm saying about my workplace. You know, you're you're telling me that people are testing positive for coronavirus. You're going to close the food and beverage, but you're going to ask me to come to work every day to be front and center. Like tomorrow, I bet you we have 50 players. Now, I have to come in contact potentially with 50 people, okay, that I don't know anything about. That, you know, how do I know? you know, somebody's wife or somebody's friend or somebody's neighbor or somebody's whatever teacher, you know, had the disease and they came in contact with them three days ago, but they haven't got tested because they didn't have any of the symptoms. And now I have to deal with them because you want to make money. And I disagree with that.
4: Well, I'll tell you, uh, because this hits close to home. Uh, My my son, my daughter-in-law got it at the gym. And then my son and uh, then my grandsons, my granddaughter, just several weeks ago they re- they've recovered fellow that I used to work with very uh, recently uh, uh I talked to him on Monday he got it and he's had a tough time and he's only like 40 years old and the thing that he was so concerned about is he had been to a family gathering and was afraid mm-hmm. that he passed it along to his grandmother but he did yeah. not know and did you know <clears throat> excuse me at the time that he did have it because he had no symptoms and then it takes mm-hmm. about four days to show up. Right. And Doug, right. I have to tell you something. I uh, Don's heard this from me. I said it earlier. I am shocked at the people mm-hmm. that do not wear masks in Georgia.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And and cool. I saw it a little in South Carolina, but that was only going into a
9: QT. I, it, well,
4: it is absolutely amazing.
9: Roger, um, to to your point, so – so, my, um, so Candace, um, her her son, uh, Braden. There's nothing that's more brutally honest than a, than than a seven year old. Okay, so oh, yeah. right. Braden, Braden right. and I are sitting on the couch today watching the Ravens uh, Steelers game, and he says to me, he says, "Are you upset that Lamar Jackson's not playing?" And I said to him, I said, "Buddy, I said, no." He said, "Why?" I said, "Because it, to our points that we're trying to make." You know, this, this isn't as much about a football game as it is. I'm worried. You know, I hope Lamar Jackson, because um, cause when people get the COVID, you know, what we're worried about is when the, when can they play again? We're not worried about right. the fact that, you know, that they're sick and they need to quarantine right. and they might have recover. respiratory or fever and all these things. We, I want him to recover so that he's a healthy young man. You know, would it be nice if, if he could play and the Ravens make the playoffs and win the Super Bowl and all that stuff? Yes. But,
0: again, this well, Doug, isn't at the expense Doug, I think of that,
9: the player. Uh, I think right. that
0: Clemson
3: did the same thing. Debo did the exact same thing with Leonard. He held him out for two weeks. And even though the biggest game that uh, not only they would right. have this year, but uh, maybe the biggest game in a long time uh, playing, uh, you know, the number one team in the country and uh, at that time, Clemson. And uh, right. and, and he he held him out for two weeks. I, I commend him. The other thing. I feel very badly about uh, for for Harbaugh uh, because they had lost, what, uh, three of their last four? And uh, then they had to, you know, you just mentioned a moment ago, which is absolutely true. If you look forward to the playoffs, now they have to win, as you said, four of the next five, and I agree with you, four of the next five. So what you really did by postponing this game twice, from Tuesday to Wednesday afternoon, and playing shorthanded, you're basically taking the Ravens out of the playoffs, and that's only yes. because of the
0: Commissioner's Office. Correct. Mm. That's
9: correct. That's, you're right. That's you're right. That's that's you're wrong. Easy. You know.
4: It's a no. It's a disgrace. Okay, because we've talked about it many times about Goodell. Okay, he, he's a, a disgrace as a commissioner. Okay, mm-hmm. and I I think that the guy that made the perfect statement. Is going to be an incoming congressman, former Washington Redskin players, I recall, Burgess Owens. Okay? You, you remember him?
0: Yeah. He just yeah. was
4: elected to con- Congress. He laid it right out about what a disgrace Roger Goodell is as a commissioner. It's all about the dollars. And of course, he reports to the owners of the teams, and it's all about the dollars.
3: Well, because it was the game was scheduled for NBC TV. They didn't want to give up the money for that game and all the stuff that goes around it. And, uh, you know, to me, uh, there should have been a way. I don't know what that way would have been, but there should have been a way either to play this game at the end of the season or play this game when either, either the Ravens were out of the playoffs because it was, a, it was an automatic yeah. loss. They were not going to win this game. So you're taking you know. the city of Baltimore right out of the playoffs.
4: Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well and, it go, and it goes back to Goodell. It goes back to Goodell. I, I'm i sorry, but God. that's that's where it goes, to the commissioner.
9: At the beginning. Well, you know, and I, and I, no, no. I can tell you, Don, Don, from my point of view, I completely agree with you. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I am a Baltimore Ravens football fan, so I don't want to sound scared in my opinion. Um, but I, I I'd like to think that I would have felt the same way if this was Buffalo playing the Jets or, you know, Arizona playing you know Seattle or anybody else. That this would have been a That's scenario right. where, you know, basically what you're saying is, you know, we're we're playing with replacement players because you said we had to play the football game because we have to end week 12. Right. So okay, you can have the you can have it the way you want it. All right? It's it it's great. no different than what we talked about. You know, Don, you had asked me one time about go- golf carts. What are we doing with golf carts? Single riders, dividers, those sorts of things. And every time I put one of those um, plastic dividers in a golf cart, my members sit in that golf cart, and they, they take the divider, and they roll it up or they take it out. Right? So, so I, get an, I get an email today that says we want to put the dividers back in the golf carts. You know why oh, we want shoot. to put the dividers back in the golf carts? so that we can charge people to be a single rider because we gave them the option to ride with somebody else with a divider. And to me, that's BS. Okay. It, you, you, know, you you don't do these things so that you can get it the way you want it. You do these things for the health and safety of, of the people that are using them. Not so you can charge them more money, not so we can make more money. And that's what I disagree with. And that's what I'm hot on, you know? Mm.
4: Hey, hey, Doug, well, let me ask you this about carts, because I see mm-hmm. trucks with them.
9: Uh, this time of year,
4: uh, the, uh, at the end of the season, do you ever ship back carts? Like because you have a rental contract for uh, X number of months with a company
9: or not? Yeah. Well, we we lease our golf carts, uh, and typically we lease, excuse me, we lease them on a five year price tag. But typically, at the end of the fourth year, uh, we trade them in for the newer models. Um, you know, most of the golf carts we
4: have. You keep yep, hang on keep that
1: the thought guys rog, hang on that thought. Thanks so we're up against the clock. Another great show. Doug, thank you for your time. Mr. Don okay. Henderson, always a pleasure to have you on. And Mr. Roger Henderson, New Address, Atlanta, Georgia, and Spending dollars, Mr. Frank Carroll, in the Tampa Bay area. Gentlemen, great show. Have a great thank week, you. everyone. God yep. bless. Thank you. Frank, thank yep, you for can. everything. Thanks again, do.
4: Doug. Yep. Great peace. Doug. Doug, have a great week.
1: Have a great week, guys. Thank you for your time, Frank, for my family, your family. Happy holidays. And when you're on the road this holiday season, please do not drink and drive. Frank, take it away. Great job again, sir.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces and the men and women of police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please, please let them know that you know they're there. Uh, it, it's a great um, morale builder for the guys and girls on the street. These programs are dedicated to those who, who lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Banger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Endler, Lieutenant Mike Zerba, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman Anafo Crispin, Lakeland PD, Tut- Chief Al Hogle, Longbrook Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Lozaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Godwin, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Jermaine, Wintermere, Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Kotloff, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Delaware State Trooper Sergeant <coughs> Roddy Bond, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department, <coughs> Lieutenant uh, Ardeth Hope, Wilmington Fire Department, FDLE Special Inspector Benny Galaccio, Delaware State Trooper Corporal Stephen Boward, Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt Baxter, Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Bill Gentry, Highlands County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Clay Zerbin, Clay County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department, Deputy April Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Department, Patrol Officer Robert McKenzie, Kentucky Police Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, at some time it will be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, when the roads rise up to meet you, may the winds be always at your back, may the rains fall softly on your fields, and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hallow of his hands. And I you, God bless, and have a great week.
10: Shem Yilama. <laughs> she ma hai zahir ma sune ne How far...